Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Salt Lake City, not just a story mama told, but a village in Utah where the roofs are thatched with gold. Welcome to episode 59 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Today we'll be previewing the upcoming match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and Real Salt Lake. Joined today by our co-hosts, Aaron Campbell. Great to be here this week. And Zachary Meisenheimer. How you doing, Steve? Not too bad, guys. So, normally at this point, just to jump in, we usually talk about the the previous match but there has been a little bit of news this week concerning a couple of veterans so maybe we'll talk about that instead earlier this morning we had Kenny Miller on the morning show and he basically was talking about his contract he was mentioning that he has still hasn't been approached about you know an actual offer in previous places where he's played the what it, by now would have been told whether he was getting an offer or been told to look for something else and nothing's been happening with that. What do you guys think about that? Do you think he's going to come back? or What do I think is going on? I think this is a, one of those situations where as uh, those, who are, those who are entrusted to be stewards of our club, uh, they have a, a decision to make. You could say it's a difficult decision to make. And they are weighing their options. Or, or more likely, what I've heard, heard uh, you know, off the record is that they have a plan and they... Yeah, they, they don't want to talk to Kenny about it because he's not in that plan, so he probably won't find out until later on um, in, in that, in that um, when that is going to be executed or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what's going on. And, and so, I, I, yeah, I think Kenny's not used to that. Kenny's yeah. used to it. That's not how it works in the rest, in the rest of the world. The rest yeah. of the world, the player has far more say, has far more control, has far more power. And as we've talked about many times uh, on this podcast and in other places, that does not how the MLS world works. We, we speculated on that a couple of weeks ago, too, that this team needs a bigger striker. They're missing the, the Kenny Miller. Uh, while Kenny Miller doesn't have the speed of Darren Maddox, there's kind of similar strikers, and they're smaller. Uh, they don't get up in the air too much. Kakuta Mane, obviously, another smaller striker if they play a 4-4-2. So there, are, there is a void of a striker, big striker up top. I think he's bound to go. You know, we've all heard the rumors that the Whitecaps has a name that they want to bring in this summer. If they can't get the player that they want, they might bring Kenny back. But, you know, he's got eight weeks left on his contract. If they haven't talked to him now, 
I don't see them bringing him back. If they do, I sure hope it's not DP money. I think it's important to know too, like Kenny wants to be here. And you can say that's for this reason or that reason, or you can say that his reasons are good or his reasons are maybe, you know, just it's maybe his best option or whatever. But Kenny has said from from the get-go this year, like he wants the new deal. He wants to be here. And he has been, you know, him and his people have been asking about that. What What is what is the opportunity? So this is not like something that's come up in the last few weeks or after he scored a few goals or whatever. No, like this is, he said, like he wants to be here. And I think part of the reason it's playing out this way is because um, there isn't 100%, 100% certainty over which route the, the, the plan that they have will take or which of the options they're looking at will actually be able to, they'll be able to uh, come through on. And I guess we'll see, we'll see how things actually play out. And then another, uh, later on in the, the day at training, there was an absence of Nigel Rhea Coker. He had an illness and it seems like that he's going to miss the game because of this illness. Obviously, they're not going to go into specifics about what this illness is, but it seems... I don't want to call anybody a liar, but it seems like an excuse for him not to play. This is another guy who is on a high ticket this year. He's right now behind guys like Laba, Kofi, and even Tyber, because I think they would prefer to put Tybert in that spot instead of Rio Coker. Is is this guy coming back? Is, is, is he going to be someone who's going to be traded off within the league just to unload him? He's got homes in New York, in Florida. There's new teams coming up in those two places. Is this probably a potential change for him as well? Yeah, I think well, last week at training, as, as, uh, he was, I think, the second person to leave the, the pitch after the session. Um, I think it was Friday. And I just sort of said, it, just sort of said, hey, hey Nigel, Nigel, how you doing? Uh, or, or what's going on? And he didn't respond. I was like, Nigel, are you okay? And he just looked at me and as he kept on walking and said, no. And so, yeah, obviously he's unhappy. He's not playing and, you know, tied into obviously being concussed and the accident and and whatever and stuff. But at the moment he's not finding, um, he's not finding himself in the first team. He's not finding himself on the, sorry, the starting 11. And that's uh, understandably incredibly fr- frustrating for someone who uh, always wants to be on the pitch. And so I think, yeah, obviously there is more than more going on than, than is being talked about publicly. And we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting in that, like, whenever, when you look back in the MLS era of, of our club, whenever there's some kind of falling out or some kind of public thing happens, like, the person has been removed fairly quickly, right? So you look at Long Tan saying, tweeting, I'm not happy, and playing PDL or whatever. Uh, you look at um, Lee Nguyen with what I guess could be called an inappropriate tweet. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the best way to, to talk about that. Something, something, happens when people when certain inc- public inc- you know incidents happen people have been kind of removed and maybe this is another example of that yeah um nigel this year i remember going to the training at musqueam there and he came into camp really out of shape and you usually don't see that with soccer players they're usually the fittest well some of them do come out of shape but you shouldn't ha- come out come into the camp to you know, you shouldn't use camp to be get into shape. Basically. Yeah, and, he, and I've always said that before too. He was really out of shape. Like people were tweeting it as the practice went on, how it surprised them, how out of shape he was. And with his salary, you know, up, upwards of four hundred thousand, we have younger players, we have cheaper players. Like we discussed with the Galaxy salaries last week, we have those players that can play that position for a lot less money than he makes. So we got to get those big salaries off the book so we can spend the money in other places where we need a striker, 
right? And we need to give people raises next year. So if we can get his 400000 plus off the books, that would help us out next season for sure. One word answer from each of you. Nigel Brewer-Coker, will he play another game with the Whitecaps this season? Uh, yes, I think he will play another game. I said one word. Oh, Zach. Steve, you know I can't do one word. So I'll say, I'll say I don't think he does, but I hope he does. I don't think he'll play another game. So we're going to jump into previewing the Real Salt Lake game. Next up, we're going to talk to Marius Rovda, who we caught up with training and discussed the upcoming match. Uh, Marius, uh, so the big game come upcoming. Whitecaps haven't really done well so far in RSL in their last career. What can they do in order to get those three points or get a result out of the game? No, I think to just believe in their own play and, and uh, don't think so much it's a away game, like get the legs going and take the ball and use it when you have chances because we see Salt Lake give away chances, we see that and they are very open, uh, they have a very open style of play but they are full of confidence, they keep on going and even if they do mistakes they keep on trying to do the same thing and beat them on that and then push them back on their half as well and don't think too much about altitude and all these things, like just play your own game. The, the the system that the RSL plays it's 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 basically it's the same system every time. What can the Whitecaps do in order to like negate that system and and get you know get themselves because they play we they, we played the white four four two as well. So uh, is there a way to you know use that information and kind of beat them at their game? Yeah, I think uh, sometimes uh, like teams like uh, Salt Lake who's probably the best team in the league playing the diamond, the four four two diamond. Uh, and they have done it for they do it away from home and they do it home and they do it constantly all the time so they get good at it and uh, and I think if you go out and like last year we went out and played a diamond exactly a diamond and played man against man I think I think that's difficult especially away from home uh, because they are obviously done it much more than us that system so so you have to and they like to play in central there with all the four guys are quite central and they combine there so if you you have to try to clog up in the middle and don't give them any space and yeah and try to get them out wide a, key, a keeper like uh, Nick Romando he's been they're basically they're the story for them for the whole year if it not wasn't for them they wouldn't be on the tear they are right now what is what can you do from a goalkeeping standpoint what can the Whitecaps do to get him off his game it obviously relies a lot on reflexes is there anything that can be done about that negate those things yeah he's he, uh, he's, he's good uh, reflexes and in his area but his area is very limited because he's small so he's moving he's have to move quickly and things like that but finishing out in the corners if you have precise finishing half a yard from the post and things when you shoot from the distance he will not get there he, he don't have that reach so so he, what he do is very good to save per finishing. So so if you don't finish properly, if you just hammer the ball in his area, he will save it. So that was Marius Rovda from the Whitecaps talking about the upcoming game. We're now joined by Tyler Gibbons, the sports producer for Real Sports Live, the official broadcast partner of Real Salt Lake. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. 
So, uh, Tyler, before we get to the actual team, the first time speaking to you about RSL, obviously there was a big change this past offseason, kind of off the pitch. It wasn't concerning players. But Jason Christ leaving for New York City FC. How has the team adjusted to the departure of Jason Christ? Well, from the get-go, it was uh, something that was looming over all of last year's season and the playoff run because we all knew that there were some big fish out there that uh, were headhunting Jason. And he wouldn't talk to us about it, wouldn't respond to any of the questions. He just kind of pushing it off, but it was always kind of looming in the air because we knew there was a possibility that this was his last and final run. And so when the announcement was made, it wasn't a huge surprise, but it kind of finally sunk in for everybody in the old RSL family out here that we were going to be ushering in a new era. And uh, it was resolved rather quickly, if you think about it. And it was, the keys were handed to Jeff Gassar, a man who had been uh, Jason's right-hand man for the majority of his tenure. And it's been extremely pleasing and seamless to see how quickly they've gotten out of the gate. He was a longtime assistant to Jason Christ, but what has Jeff Gassar in his own right brought to the RSL this season that has helped him off to a great start? Um, I like to call Jeff the best neighbor you could ever have. It's like if you're having a barbecue and you went over and invited, invited him to it, he would, you know, pour it grab you a beer and say, all right, I'll bring steaks and do you want me to cook them? So I'll man the barbecue. He's just a great guy who's really taken command of that locker room. He has the respect of all the big names and every single player in that locker room when they were discussing hiring him. um, Management went to the players and said, what do you guys think about this hard? He got their backing. He had their full support from the suggestion that he take, you know, take the head job. So it's been actually extremely surprising. To his credit, he hasn't tried to reinvent the wheel. He has stuck with the 11 that have been through the rigors of the last five, six years, basically since 2009 when RSL kind of propelled into the forefront of Major League Soccer. You know, they have used seven different lineups for the past seven games to start the season and 22 different players, but if you look at who has started every single game, it's the guys down the spine that have been there day in and day out for a long time. Matt Borchers has started every game, Kyle Beckerman has started every game, and so is Saverio and they grab the board. They've leaned on players that they knew what to expect from them, and they've kept the diamond, and it's a system he believes in, and it's paid off in, you know, an excellent undefeated start, three wins and four draws, and you really can't do anything but praise what he's accomplished so far this year. Uh, He's made some minor tweaks here and there, and style of play trying to get balls up over the top instead of always playing on the ground, which is really successful when Jao Papa was in the starting lineup that was first three games. You know, they had five goals, and he was part of, and Jao was either scoring or assisting on four of those. And his substitutions have been on point. Um, he changed the game in L.A. with Luke Mulholland coming in and making an instant impact. Should have had a goal. 
that was mysteriously uh, taken away by a phantom offside call. But uh, as we all know, replacement refs are uh, what they are. And then he's stuck to his guns when it's come down to, you know, knowing like in Kansas City where they kind of have to park the bus and the offensive touch wasn't there that they're going to lean on their defense and they come out with a spectacular draw and a really tough place to play. There hasn't been a coaching decision so far where you're shaking your head and going, ah, Jason would have done that. And I think that's very important because this is something that I think the players wanted to wanted to do for him because the last thing you ever want is to come in and have a bad start and the local media, which is known to do, jump down your throats because you're not a guy that brought RSL to the promised land. A guy that a lot of fans will think maybe Jason Christ should have a statue out in front of Rio Tinto. He's the only player with his number retired in the stadium. He's, you know, a figurehead that no matter what happens at NYFC, people are always going to say, you know, we appreciate what you did for this town and this state and this team. So for the players to kind of realize that and jump out and get to a fantastic start as they have, you know, it's been a huge boost for uh, not only the team's morale, but also just as far as. Do you feel like the the players have something to prove as well? Like the, everybody was talking about Christ. What what are the what's the team going to be without Christ? Deep down, I know they love Christ and everything like that too. But you know, sometimes the players want wants to prove that they can do it. They, it's not all about the coach. Oh yeah, it is always going to be that. I think these guys all were given a chance, and the collective core, you know, proved Jason right when they gave. You know, they said, "Hey." These guys can play, and for six years now, it's, they've got 50 points and made the playoffs, which is something no other team in MLS history has done. This is one of the more unique locker rooms in all of Major League Soccer. My, uh, my uh, analyst on my show, Brian Dunseth, knew is just one of the more respected, knowledgeable soccer minds in Major League Soccer. Routinely says this is the most unique locker room in the whole league. It is very, you know, it has a self-worth that nobody else really can compare to when you look at other teams in the Major League Soccer. They have an outstanding, you know, person at the top in Kyle Beckerman that is the leader, that's the voice that you know, kind of orchestrates the vibe of that locker room, but then you have strong voices and people that lead by example and the Nat Borchers and the Nick Ramondos and the Chris Wingers, the Tony Beltrons, the guys that have been there where if young players come in, they know exactly how they're supposed to fit in and how they're supposed to work at training and how they're supposed to compete. And then when you get out on the field, they've been so successful. It, there were a lot of consistency. It's just amazing when you really sit down and think about it. How year in and year out, no matter if they're missing a player here or a player there, they just consistently produce results. And a lot of it has to do with the captain, Kyle Beckerman, and, you know, the wall of the Wasatch, as we like to call him out here, Nick Romando, just, you know, playing at a certain level for so long that it's remarkable. But, you know, you get contributions from other people because there's a tone set. 
from day one. And I think Bizarre has done an amazing job of realizing that and not trying to, you know, stir the drink that doesn't need to be mixed. Nick, Nick Romando seems to be the story every week for RSL. How vital has he been? And does his ability to make those big stops give a little bit of confidence to the outfield players to take more chances? Or do you think it could be hurting, like eventually hurt them because maybe they are taking too many chances and Nick Romano is eventually not going to be able to stop everything? Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, the guy with Spider-Man like quickness until he proves me wrong because that guy just has limbs thrown everywhere and somehow, some way. You know, balls just get deflected and they don't end up in the back of the net. He is just absolutely unbelievable, especially when you see him in person. The things that he does with the quickness that he has is just, you know, mind-blowing. RSL has, you know, the back four of Chris Schuler, Matt Borchers, Chris Winger, Tony Beltran have started four, you know, out of... Well, actually, together, they've only started, you know, three games because Tony and Chris were out. Chris was out for the first couple games. Matt's been there the whole seven. So when Chris has been in, they give up an average of one goal for every 150 minutes. He's just so dominant in the air that it's very rare to see teams get multiple scoring chances. Now, things happen, like, you know, the Philadelphia game where, you know, set pieces have been a kind of pain in their uh, rear end for quite some time here at RSL where they give up you know, unfortunate set piece goals but there are games that you know Nick doesn't have to do a lot you know if you look at the Toronto game there are probably three or four chances that are really good but other than that they came out and they sniffed out their attack from the get go but it's a huge luxury it gives a the team has a certain amount of confidence where even if they're not at their top of the game, that Nick will bail them out. And he's just so good. With the uh, the current system and the depth they have, are, are they the best team that can withstand the, the World Cup loss, the potential World Cup losses? I think so. For the last two years, Bill Riley and Brian Dunkiff have repeatedly called this the most deep team in Major League Soccer, and you can't help but agree with them. And if you look at it, they've been starting the same 11, if you want to say, or the majority of the same players that have been here for a while, the Luis Gills, the Crabboys, the Javi Morales, the Kyle Beckermans, the Sabarillos, and the back four that I've mentioned. But the people that will be coming in, Sebastian Velasquez, uh, the Luke Mulhollands, the Devin Sandovals, the Joe Platos, They've got big game experience last year. Huge experience this year as well. Other than the the actual, you know, the, the advantage of playing at Rio Tinto, what's the one thing RSL needs to do in order to ensure three points against the Whitecaps this, this weekend? I, uh, they need to create, uh, be wary of those four M dudes. The Kenny Miller and... Maddox has been called out specifically by Nat Orchers in the two times that I've interviewed him post-Portland match. They're very weary of the speed that uh, the four M's possess, and they know that given an opportunity, you know, they can get into uh, some creases and create havoc. 
by eating up space and uh, getting some shots on goal. For me, I'm really interested to see the riot atmosphere and the way these guys come out because it's going to be the last home game that Nick, Savo, and Kyle play until July. That's a really long time, you know. We're obviously going to be supporting them in Brazil, but you know, this is the last time they're going to be here in front of the home crowd. So I think it's going to be a very, very dynamic atmosphere and one that I expect um, the guys to embrace. Uh, I really, you know, the riot is a quote-unquote fortress that has treated RSO very well for a long time. So as long as they can dominate possession like they usually do and not give up some chance uh counters and some plays by the four the four M's, then I think uh, they have a relatively good shot of sustaining your guys' energy and uh, getting three points. Perfect. Uh, last question. Obviously, I, I think I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be, but what is your prediction for the game this Saturday? I think it's a, uh, like I just talked about it's just an interesting dynamic with these guys last opportunity to play in front of the home crowd for a while who you know really do love and embrace these guys this is a state that has jumped in with both feet cannonball style and uh, really loves their RSL soccer and I Selfishly, would like to see Ramonda tie the MLS shutout record in front of these guys, but I think it's going to be a 2-1 game where, you know, Kenny Miller or Maddox or Morales makes one or two decisive plays that ends up in the back of the net for Vancouver. He hasn't been playing really, really well lately, and it's something that they're aware of. And but I, just, I just can't see them going out without you know, a proper send-off for the three that uh, will be enjoying themselves in Brazil here in the summer. So that was Tyler Gibbons from Real Sports Live. You can follow him on Twitter at RSL4Utah. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Thank you much. So that was Tyler Gibbons from Real Sports Live. Thanks to him once again for joining us and giving us insight on the Real Salt Lake team. So guys, the the Real Salt Lakers, as if some people call them, they're essentially undefeated at home. They got a great system. Let's talk about the system at first. They, this is a team that came in last year with into BC Place with a B team, used their system to perfection and came out with a win when we needed one so badly. Is there a way to beat the system? Zach, you followed soccer a lot. You're the footy expert, analytical expert here. Really? <laughs> well, uh, whatever. <laughs> None of us are, really. I, well, I think, sorry, we got to not talk about that. Like, I think that that's obviously not, not what's going to happen in this match. We're, we're going into RSL. They're undefeated this season. They're doing what they do, win at home and get some results away from home. Uh, so I think this is a... Yeah, totally different situation than them coming here last, whatever, September, October, August, whatever it was, and and resting players, and then us for the Open Cup, and then us 
having a shocker of a match. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I mean, this is an incredibly difficult match. We're going a place where it's hard to play. You have alt- altitude. You have, I'll use the term respectable support. And I, I just think it's a very difficult place to play. Uh, then you talk about, yeah, a team that has been together, a side that has been together for a, a very long time, um, switching uh, from a, a head coach who, you know, breathed, uh, life into uh, their club to his assistant who was by his side. Let's call him Jeff C. Cassar, yeah. Jeff Cassar. So there's just a lot of continuity. There's a lot of knowing how to how to play together. In my in the in the the semi competitive rec league that I play in this year, I've even noticed uh, what it's like when you come up and our first first game of the year. We we had most of us had been on our side for many years. We came up a team that was their first game together ever. And you could just see how, how different it was to see a team who's been together for a long time and a team who's like playing their first match together. Now, I know the Whitecaps are not playing their first match together, but RSL has been playing in the way they've been playing for a long time. So there's a lot of continuity there and a lot of quality there. And I think that uh, we face uh, literally an uphill climb uh, this weekend. Yeah, a lot of the RSL players, you know, have been at the team. I was looking like 2009 or longer. A lot of players have been there six, seven years. They're keeping the core of that team together. And like Zach was saying, you know, if you're playing together every week for years and years and years, you're going to get that system down pat. And the new coach is playing the same system as the coach last year. So they're going to be tough to beat, but I think we have the speed to beat their system. It's not going to be the same as last year when yeah, that B team came in. I think that was one of the more important factors we probably have to work with this year is the pace. The Portland Timbers, when we watched their game at uh, last last week when they were played after the Whitecaps, they seemed to really expose this lack of speed that the the backline had for RSL. And I think guys like Akuta Mane, if he gets a start, and Darren Maddox, they can take advantage of that. And if you got guys got like you got guys like Eric Hurtado coming off the bench, and that could definitely be a big factor. But it's a matter of taking care of our side too. So. So what 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 about the the back, uh, the back line? We, there are some issues there too that we've had against the Galaxy. Say for, is there anything way to shore that up this week? Uh, so it was reported today that Johnny will, will be starting in place of Captain Jay Demerit. Yeah. So I think that that'll be interesting. I think I think Johnny yeah, brings a better distribution out of the back, and so that'll be that'll be good to see. Yeah, what will happen to the continuity to the back there? Will that will that cause any issues? Are, we, it's not like we it's not like we have a clean sheet this year, other than a goalless draw. I guess sorry, sorry. Oh, we have one clean sheet this year, um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in that sense. But I expect more of the same in terms of them trying to be compact defending, but uh, but giving the license for the fullbacks to get forward. And so uh, I I would worry against Real Salt Lake on the counter. Yeah, do you, do you think the fullbacks will get forward? Because this is going to be a road game too. Like, I don't think they're going to send both guys. Like, I think there'll be one guy maybe going at a time. I don't. I don't see both guys like attacking full out. Even though the wide areas is where the even Robinson talked about it in one of the training sessions that they give up their wide areas and they, that's where they can expose them with more attacks on the out there. I think um, if any fullback's going to move up this game it's going to be Bittisher he's been doing that a lot past three four games you know last week he had five crosses they weren't all two Whitecaps players but he's jumping up in the play more so I can see him moving forward Harvey he's hit or miss you can have him moving forward but coming back he's not always in position so let's just keep Harvey in the proper defensive position and let Bittisher move forward I'm, I'm, you look back ever since Alain Rochat was removed from our side 
teams have, I think, I don't have the stats to back it up, but um, it appears to me that teams attack our left side of our defense more. Um, because Jordan Hargrave gets forward, and sometimes maybe he doesn't always get back or gets back and is not fully in position. So. Well, I find that the one thing that I find is that you're, you're right a little bit on the left side. Either they'll attack via the air from the right side and cross it into the left side of the area, mm-hmm. or they'll attack the left side along the deck. So it, it seems like they, they'll attack both from both areas, but they'll attack... Their basic main focus is that left side where... And Jay's usually left center back? It's left center back. So See, I, don't, I don't perceive Jay to be weak in the air, so that's... But I think they're trying to go to the other side where is Jordan Harvey, because Jordan Harvey seems to get sucked in quite a bit. We talked about... And the, we showed it a little bit in, in a couple of those... Uh, goals that they allowed in the last few weeks that they he gets both fullbacks better short a little bit too but they seem to both like get very compact in the middle and they exposes their their flanks on the uh, near the outer posts and everything like that yeah when Bader gets sucked in though you got Andy O'Brien who's solid defensively he's great in there this season covering for him Jay this year hasn't been that good in the air and some people are saying you know that's all he has going for him in the defensive system. So if he's not up to par and Harvey's getting pulled in every time, Jay's going to struggle with that. You know, he's getting older. You know, they've already rested him to save his legs. This game coming up, they're not resting him again because he needs it. It's just he hasn't been good enough to start. Yeah. What about a keeper like Nick Ramondo? He's he's basically the story of the week. He's only he has been he hasn't played every game because he has some injury concerns. But when he does play, he's absolutely like fantastic. There was one game against San Jose where he allowed three goals in, but other than that, he, he he's been great. Like you got to be clinical, you got to be clinical finishing. He's a little shorter goalkeeper, so you want to go for the post. Is that the only way to beat him, or is, can you like muscle uh, muscle him? Can you can you intimidate him in the box? What have you seen of Nick Romando in the games you've seen? No, I think Nick Romando is a quality shot stopper, and yeah. you're only going to beat him with quality shots. Yeah, I think it was the the the, the victory over Portland last week with like I forget who it was, but like totally had him going the wrong way, and he still somehow got his foot on it enough. I think it was Uradi or something. Yeah, like it might have been something like. Oh no, it was Gaston Fernandez. Yes, that's yes. What it was. Yeah, yeah. So just enough to get like you're like how did that not how did that not go in? You know, how did he get a leg on that? I, I think, yeah, he's an overall quality keeper. He is not tall, no. which is, you know, well-documented and stuff. But so you'd think in the, getting balls in the air would, would give him some problems. But I, I don't think he's terrible in that either. Well, he what Marius was talking about was that you got to be perfect in your in your shots. You just can't just pepper the net with shots. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, he's going to stop, stop him. Mm-hmm. You have to get him to the corners of the post where he within a, a foot of the post so that he, he's not going to be have the reach to get to those balls yeah. yeah goals to get past them I think they're going to have to be like Kakuta's goal last week where have the goalie going the wrong way almost and you have to hit that post the inside of the post get it in there get it around him with him not being as tall as some MLS keepers that might be the only way to beat him well let's look at the lineup itself we already talked about a little bit. It's kind of been released that it's Levron over Demary. Even though there there hasn't been an official announcement, but people are speculating it's Levron over Demary. How about the other position? This is a way to get Kakuta Mani into the lineup because he's got to start now. There's this. There's been just enough of you know. I know there's going to be opportunities to sit him again in order the the way that Robinson was talking about. You got to ease him into the lineup. At this point, you just got to get him into the lineup of this game. He's not going to be obviously going to go be able to go ninety minutes at that pace, especially in those conditions. 
But who do you sit in, in a spot? Do you sit a veteran like Kenny Miller who might struggle in those conditions? Or do you sit uh, Russell Tybert who was substituted off at halftime? Well, I think between those two, they probably would sit, sit Kenny based on what they did before. But let me just say this about Kakuta. I think, I think this is a, a match for him to start. Yeah. I would not call him a starter at this point. I no, still, no, I'm, I'm saying this okay. is a game to get yeah. him into the this starting is a game, This is a game to start him. I'm, I, I think they're doing a, a, a decent job this year at um, yeah, easing him in based on you know whatever was his back problems or whatever was in preseason and lacking full match fitness and all that kind of stuff. So I think they've done a good... I think uh, Rob has done a good job at uh, easing him in and using him at different points in different ways off the bench for a full half, whatever, uh, starting the, the, the way match a couple weeks ago. So I think, yeah, I see him starting. I could see him starting. And I think at this point it would be over Kenny because I think even though Russell is probably not his best half of football uh, last week, I think that he provides, you know, more defensively, uh, which is probably more of what we're going to need in, in Salt Lake. I see him starting, but not for Miller. I see Miller starting for Pedro Morales with this injury. I think it's worse than they're letting on. I can see Miller dropping into that role for Morales. Mane and Maddox out front. This would be a great game to get the speed going. Look, last week with Maddox and Mane, speed created the goals. They got us the goals. They got the team playing, you know, fast, exciting soccer. So I see him starting for Miller, but Miller's going to be starting for Morales. Yeah, I forgot about that, the Morales part. That's a good point. Uh, But the other thing is, is I don't think they're going to play two guys up top. Mm. I think they will play five in the midfield just to try to because of how good RSL is with their Diamond 4, that they will play play 5. So I think Maddox up top, Miller, Mane, and Tybert probably is a 3 behind if Morales isn't the guy to go. But then if Pedro doesn't start, how are we going to have the Morales versus Morales showdown then? No, I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see. Maybe off the bench. So uh, that's that's our thoughts on the, on the upcoming match. It's that time of the week again where we're going to be joined by Michael McCall and his dog Predictor Pooch in a segment called Trio Time. Trio! Too loud. Trio! I said that was too loud. I want a trio and I want one now. Yeah, well, we all do, man, but listen. Not one, not two, I mean, but three things in it. I s- listen, could you just cool and it? Not one, not two, No three things are quite as good together as a trio. So the Whitecaps are back on the road again. This time to Salt Lake and Utah. It's a difficult place to go with the altitude, but it is a fantastic stadium to go and play in. I went there back in 2011 in the Caps' first MLS season as part of a three-away game road trip. I went to see the Caps play against Chivas, Salt Lake, and then back up to Seattle. Fantastic stadium. If you ever get a chance to go down there, I really recommend it. Great stadium, great atmosphere. Difficult place for the Whitecaps to to go and get a win though and they have struggled there in the past and I don't really see this game being much different. I'm not confident about this game at all. For me there's a a couple of keys and my my trio of keys this week. Number one, Nick Romando. One of the best goalkeepers in MLS. When he's on his game he's just so hard to beat. What the Whitecaps have to do is to try and make sure that they're making him work for his money forcing him into saves, pressurising him, keeping him really busy and most importantly trying to aim for the corners, don't hit the ball anywhere near him that's going to give an easy save, try and get those finishes into the top, the bottom corners and make him work to try and keep the ball out the back of the net. 
A second key for me this week is at the other end of the park. Now, Carl Robinson made a, a good point in training this week where he feels that in the last couple of games, the Whitecaps have been let down by not marking properly in the second phase of play. And that's what the Whitecaps have to do. They have to mark up just in general, but they have to keep their eye on the game and look at what's happening. Once the ball's come in for the first phase, what's going to happen to the ball then? They'd really need to mark up for the second phase and make sure that they get the job done. They keep tight. Jay Demerit in particular, don't go to ground, don't jump in and just stay solid at the back. That's what they have to do. It's going to be tough. Very dangerous Salt Lake attack. We'll see if they can do it. And my final trio time point for this week, get something going in the middle of the park. Starting to sound like a broken record here, but it is so important the Whitecaps get that done. Pedro Morales hasn't played that great on the road. He has got this niggling back injury. Who knows if he's even going to travel to this one or if someone like Nicolas Mosquito is going to come in with the chance to shine and maybe take that opportunity. They have to get something going in that number 10 role. And not even just that, just the, the whole back up behind her, whether it is Morales or whoever plays the number 10. We need to get some creativity going, not just up the wings. It has to come through the middle of the park. We need somebody to take the game by the scruff of the neck, stamp their authority on it and spray those balls about. That's my trio time for this week. And now it's time for Predictapooch. Now Kikutamani has a lot to answer for. Yes, he saved the Whitecaps a point against LA last Saturday. But he also ended Predictapooch's streak. He is poor Predictapooch's Brock Lesnar. So can our predicting hound come back from the dead this week? So as usual, we're going to throw three objects for him. Let's see what he brings back. We're going to mix it up a little bit this week. No orange balls, because he seems to dislike orange balls a little bit too much. So what we have is a red Santa ball. Nice little Christmas treat there from his very first Christmas in 2004. If he brings that back, he's going to go for the team that plays in red, Real Salt Lake. We're also going to throw a pink ball. If he brings that, he's going to go for the draw. And adding something a little bit different to procedures this week, we're going to throw an East Fife mini ball. It's a white ball, slightly bigger than the others. I'm not trying to veer him in direction of the white caps here, but let's see what he brings back. So Predictor Pooch, are you ready? He's eyeing these balls up. Okay, come on Predictor Pooch, on your marks, get set. Fetch the balls, go on Predictor Pooch. What's he going to bring back? He's going, he's looking at them all, he's going, oh, he picked up the Santa ball. He's picked up the mini ball, but nope, he's coming back. And he has gone for the home win. Predictor Pooch, maybe playing it a bit safe this week. He's gone for... A real Salt Lake win. And I have to say, I can't disagree with him there. My prediction is for a 3-0 real Salt Lake win. Let's see if we're right. Thanks, Predictor Pooch. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one So that was Predictor Pooch. Once again, for a second straight week, predicting a Vancouver loss. Obviously, he was wrong last week. It was a draw, so hopefully he's wrong again. But we'll talk about our predictions later on the Whitecaps match. But first of all, let's talk about 
the matches that going on elsewhere in MLS that you guys are interested in. Aaron, do you have a game? Yeah, I wanted a couple notes on the Montreal-Philadelphia game coming up. Both of them disappointing seasons so far. Montreal, no wins in seven games, and Philadelphia, one win in eight. I was looking through the stats, like, between the two teams in the MLS area and found out Philadelphia's never beaten Montreal. Montreal's got a three-win, two-draw record against them. The meeting a couple weeks ago, 1-1 draw, there's a little controversy when Kamara got beat by McInerney and he got pulled down from behind. Usually in MLS, that's a red card. The refs love giving out red cards in MLS. He only got a yellow. I was thinking it was because it was in the 26th minute. You know, ref didn't want them to go down 10 men so early in the game. So this game's a big one for Montreal, you know, to go win this in eight, where last season, after seven, eight games, they were number one team in MLS. So it's a huge drop for them this season. And it's not a must-win game, but they're going to have to get a win sooner or later. Yeah, and this is, I think this is the first meeting since that big trade, too, between the, uh, for McInerney and Wenger. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see how that dynamic flows out. Zach, you got a game? Uh, I got a game. It's probably not the most exciting game on the MLS docket this uh, this round, but um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens between uh, DC United and uh, Dallas. Looking for the East to do uh, us in the West a favor by uh, taking points off Dallas, who obviously have had a great start to the season and yeah, her, only have one loss and are top of the Western Conference standing. So. Uh, really just uh, hoping that uh, DC can do a, do a job there. DC st- started really slow uh, this year after making so many changes last year, um, but have uh, started to pick up some points and find themselves in, in fifth place in the East uh, and really just looking, looking to see if they can, um, they can uh, give Dallas their, their second defeat of the season. Uh, also, just uh, DC games are, are fun to watch and fun to check up on just because they have such quality supporters, especially in uh, District Ultras and Noarte, or Noart, I'm not sure how they want to pronounce that, but uh, over in the in one corner there in, uh, in RFK, uh, they bring a lot of life to that uh, decrepit stadium. The match I'm looking forward to is uh, Seattle versus Colorado. Colorado is uh, visiting Seattle. They lost. They played in the opening round of the MLS play, uh, playoffs last year, Seattle beating them 2-0. But before the game before that, Seattle actually went down to Colorado, and it was we enjoyed the four one win. They enjoyed a five one win. Of course, that was in Colorado. This match upcoming match is in Seattle, so that'll be interesting to see. And we'll see if guys like Dempsey and Obafemi Martins can continue their strong play and see what Colorado can do because both teams are on three game undefeated streaks. Colorado is interesting because they won both games on the road, beating Vancouver, beating Toronto. Mm-hmm. That was depleted at the time, and they drew. They came back and drew in their home game. So it'll be interesting to see where Colorado actually stands. The both teams are in the top five of the standings in the Western Conference as well. So let's. That's that's our games that we're looking forward to MLS. The game obviously that we're all looking forward to is Vancouver versus Real Salt Lake. Prediction time. What do you guys see in the match? Seeing as we've done very, very poorly in our visits uh, to, uh, to Salt Lake and to Rio Tinto, the ride into stadium, I think we'd be, we'll be fortunate to get a draw there, I think, at uh, this time. I, I, my prediction would be uh, a 2-0 Real Salt Lake victory. Yeah, I have Real Salt Lake winning 2-1 this game. I just don't think we have the pressure to, to beat them in their own stadium. If it was a home game, it might be different with the turf, how much that plays into a factor. But there in Sandy, Utah, I got Real Salt Lake winning 2-1. I'm, I'm in a similar boat. It's going to be a clean sweep for us. It's I think it's an RSL 1-0 win. 
I think they won't be able to get anything past Nick Raimondo. And of course, that's what that makes basically everybody that on this show that predicting RSL win, which probably means it's going to be a Vancouver victory for once. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's, that's usually what happens when everybody predicts one way. I don't know if I've ever predicted such a negative score for, for the club for a club the club I love, but uh, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. So that's our take on the game upcoming match. Just a reminder as well, this is a last minute change. Uh, the match was supposed to be on TSN2. It will be on CTV2. Zach, where can we find you online? You can find me at, uh, on Twitter at ZacharyAM. And uh, I'm a part of a movement called Curva Collective at Curva Collective on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us there. Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at AACamp81. Also writing for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And now covering the caps on Last Word on Sports. And you can find me at Whitecaps Beat on Twitter and writing for AFTN. So the matchup coming versus Real Salt Lake in Vancouver will prove a test to the young players that we think are going to be in the lineup. To see if they can pull out a victory or a draw or a result of any kind. We'd like to thank people that joined us today. Obviously Zach and Aaron here and Tyler Gibbons from Real Sports Live. Mike McCall, Predicta Pooch, Marius Rovda. So that's it from us from here. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?